Hi, this is Tom Compton. You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events. Ready, set, let the sparks fly. In this installment of WHTT Speaks Out, we're going to talk about our favorite subject, actually, Christian Zionism and the standard Zionism version. It seems that Zionism, whatever flavor it may be, Christian Zionist that we focus on or the ordinary type of Zionism as manifested in the city of Boulder, Colorado recently, is prevalent everywhere. It just seems overwhelming. The opposition is so well organized, and our friend Craig Hansen is on with us tonight, and he's going to make a comment about his visit at our last vigil in San Leandro, right in the Bay Area there near Oakland, and the experience he actually went inside to witness what was going on. And the interesting thing, of course, is that they know we're out there, and we'll have Craig tell a little bit about what they said about us. And, of course, generally how the uh, Zionists and Christian Zionists do is they smear people with names like anti-Semitic or they wave the Holocaust flag back and forth and never mind the suffering of Palestinians. So in this installment, we're going to cover these two events. First, an upcoming vigil at the Trinity Life Center in Sacramento. And this is another variation of Kufi's multitude of events. And this is a, this is a celebrating Israel concert. So they have nights to honor Israel, stand by Israel, conferences for pastors, conferences for college students, and Craig will give us some interesting highlights as what caused this church in San Leandro that he visited with a vigil to actually host a Kufi event. So Leslie, why don't you read us the letter that was sent out to the pastors at this church and also church people in the city of Sacramento and the media. Challenging Christian Zionist Trinity Life Center, Sacramento, California. Posted by Charles E. Carlson, June 10, 2013. Dear Pastor Daniel, Project Straight Gate will conduct a vigil at your church on June 23rd 2013, during the hours that you host John Hagee's Celebrating Israel concert. We have arranged vigils for peace with justice at many major Christian Zionist churches nationwide. Please, in the interest of your congregation and the suffering of the Palestinian people, cancel this indecent concert. I am sending by rush mail our 32-minute video entitled Christian Zionism, the Tragedy and the Turning. It contains a visual witness of Israel's bombing raids on the Palestinians, which I personally photographed from a rooftop in downtown Gaza City. It is one of thousands of documented reports of Israeli occupation and brutality available to you. The video also explains 
how the Bible is distorted in the footnotes of the Schofield Reference Bible, which many have used to support the claim that today's Israel owns the land where Abraham is believed to have lived 3,000 years ago. The turning is the growing movement against Zionism in churches worldwide. We are asking your church to be part of the turning instead of the tragedy of supporting Israel no matter what it may do. Do you know about the growing movement against the use of Jesus' name to promote cruel and racist acts that Jesus spoke out against while he walked the now-occupied land called Palestine? You will not learn the truth from Hagee's imported Zionist witnesses. Mainline churches have too long ignored Christian Zionism as another fad offshoot of the evangelical movement. But now they are awakening. Among the first to speak out was the National Council of Churches five or more years ago in a bulletin why we should be concerned about Christian Zionism. In November 2012, 15 mainline church denominations joined in the call, including Evangelical Lutherans, ELCA, United Methodists, Presbyterians, PCA, the United Church of Christ, who wrote of the abuses of Palestinians by the State of Israel and Christian Zionists' sorry role in it. Signatories representing these denominations asked Congress to investigate why U.S. taxpayer dollars are being given to Israel, knowing that these are used for occupation and war. In May 2013, the Church of Scotland joined those in protest of Israel's occupation of the Palestinian land and Christian Zionist influence, stating that the Bible gives no country the right to any piece of land Israel being the only country to make this claim. Those who attend your concert will be asked to make pledges of support, give money, and even to sing the national anthem of another country. Pastor Abe Daniel, we have attended several nights to honor Israel presentations all over the country, and not a word is said about the state of Israel's occupation of three million people the murder of thousands over a 65-year span, some with rubber bullets, some with weapons of mass destruction. Do you not know about the mass home destruction, burned olive orchards, detentions, rapes, and torture of almost totally disarmed Palestinians? Israel is a state that borrowed its name from the Bible in order to sway your sympathy. John Hagee has publicly prayed for war and called for war upon Muslims in Iraq, Iran, Lebanon, and Syria. What would Jesus say? Trinity Life Center, what we believe, states the Bible is inspired, infallible, and authoritative. Jesus said... Blessed are the peacemakers, and for as much as you have done it, both kindness and evil, to the least of my brothers, you have done it unto me, and 
Love your brother as you love yourself. Love even your enemy. Who do you think Jesus would bomb? If you would care to talk about this letter, or if you would like to arrange a meeting, please contact me. I am praying for you to show your respect for Jesus' words by canceling this Celebrating Israel concert. We will be at Trinity Life Center on Sunday, June 23, 2013. We will be located on public right-of-ways near your church, ready to answer questions from all who wonder about our message. We will be respectful of your rights and the local law. Toward the straight gate, Charles E. Carlson. Thank you, Leslie. And this is what we do normally prior to going on a vigil, is to send out a letter to let them know that we're going to be there and why we're going to be there. And thanks to our new friend in the Bay Area, Craig Hansen, he's alerted us to this will be the third uh, event there. And so we want to thank you, Craig, for actually uh, stepping up and wanting to uh, join in with us on these vigils. And why don't you give us a little bit of uh, background on this last vigil and San Leandro, I think would be kind of interesting before we launch into this story about Boulder. Well, well thank you, Tom and Chuck. It, uh, it was a pleasure to be a, a part and represent uh, We Hold These Truths at uh, Fairhaven Bible Chapel in San Leandro. I was kind of disappointed that we didn't get a lot of support in the Bay Area, but what we did get, which was something that uh, I really appreciated, was contact with uh, both an elder and a deacon of the church. The, um, the deacon came out first just to make sure that we didn't have air horns or going to disrupt the potluck and then the goofy meeting that followed afterwards. But it turned out to be a really good dialogue uh, with, the, with the deacon and very pleasant uh, gentleman. And then as the, uh, the meeting got started and I was out there with, uh, with the signs on the, on the street corner, uh, about, oh, I'd say maybe five or ten minutes before the meeting actually started, after the potluck was over, uh, one of the elders uh, came out and uh, met with us and actually offered us uh, cookies. So uh, he didn't, have, didn't heap uh, burning coals on our head, but it, uh, it was chocolate chip cookies. And he really it was, a, it was a pleasant gentleman uh, talking to both of them about the atrocities in, in Israel to the Palestinians and so forth. And neither one of them took the side of Israel in that regard. When, when I, I said, you know, Jesus wouldn't bulldoze olive orchards and burn houses and all, all those kind of things, they, they agree. They were very receptive to the notion that uh, the state of Israel does not do things that are Christ-like. But at the same time, they hold on to that dispensationalism that the land belongs to the Jews, however they define the Jews to be today. Uh, what I would like to do, Tom and Chuck, I sent a letter to the elder from Fairhaven. Again, I was impressed with their, their sincerity and their kindness. And so here's, here's, the, here's the letter. I would like to express my thanks to both you and your deacon for demonstrating a Christ-like attitude to us as we stood in front of Fairhaven with our signs calling for peace. It was a pleasure talking with both of you. I hope you get an opportunity to read the leaflets and watch the DVD that we gave to the, the deacon. If you attended the whole Kufi presentation by Randy Neal, I hope you were able to see through the many half-truths and omissions in his Israel story. For example, never once 
did he, Randy, even allude to any wrongdoing or atrocity committed by any IDF force or agent of the Israeli government? Did you catch his ad hominem attack against we hold these truths by linking us to anti-Semitism and heading down the slippery slope to another Holocaust? Because a writing by Martin Luther, actually an audio version, criticizing Talmudic Judaism is included on our bookstore webpage. Ever wonder how he would have found it and even known it was there in the first place? I'm a converted former Christian Zionist myself, and I know how difficult it is to really challenge something that is held as a foundational truth for so long. But please do some homework on the Christian Zionism movement and dispensationalism, and you'll find no basis exists for either in historic Christianity. Jesus has to be skipped over to justify the death and suffering that has been carried out in the name of supporting Israel. If you would ever like to have someone from We Hold These Truths speak to your fellowship or to continue a dialogue with you at any time, please feel free to contact us. Blessings in the name of our Lord. And so far to this point, I haven't had any response from the church or either the elder or the deacon, but I was impressed that they were willing to dialogue and willing to, to speak to us and, and not just... Uh, you know, just stare at us. Uh, some members of the church did kind of take pictures with their iPhone of us uh, uh, standing out there. But uh, like I said, at this point, we haven't had any other further contact. From my understanding, how Goofy got involved with this uh, Bible chapel is uh, one of their parishioners is a young lady who part of the Goofy on campus at uh, University of California at Davis. And through that link, Goofy was invited to come and, and speak at the church. Again, that, that is the thrust. The thrust is call your congressmen, support your congressmen that are supporting Israel, uh, support the Kufi on campus program. There's going to be a big summit, and I think it's in July, back in Washington, D.C., and you can uh, donate money to help with scholarships for students to come back and be a part of that. And it's just it's, it's money, 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 support Israel, support Israel, support Israel. The thing I found really interesting is that as Randy Neal was going through, you know, like the Holocaust, again, that's, that's always the trump card that comes up. The Holocaust, you know, what led up to that? And so he starts tracing backwards what were the seeds of the Holocaust. He traces it back to the Christian fathers standing on a new covenant and, re- and replacing the old covenant with a new covenant. And I'm going, yeah, so uh, what's, what's wrong with that? But he, he, he puts the seeds of anti-Semitism back to the church fathers. And then he's, he, he goes through the, through the church history, and of course he brings up Martin Luther's, the Jews and their lies. And then he says, if you want to find a copy of that, you know, go to page two of the bookstore, uh, the group that's out protesting us tonight. And, and frankly, Chuck, uh, I didn't even know it was there. I, I, haven't, I didn't even see it on the, on the, on the bookstore webpage. So I'm, uh, I'm really impressed with uh, Randy Neal and his staff on how thorough they are to uh, find the nooks and crannies of uh, WeHoldTheseTrues.org to get in there and find out uh, anything that they can use to either smear or do. You know, it's that just all ad hominem debate. If we can degrade the messenger, then we don't have to deal with the message. So that's kind of my impression of it. I feel that the church is they're trying to be a first century church and doing, doing things right, but they have gotten sucked into this uh, Christian United for Israel movement. So uh, hopefully we'll get to hear something uh, more from them as, as time goes on, but right, right now that's all I've got. The wonderful report and, and such a positive approach, to at least to be able to dialogue 
with the people because they, they need to be challenged. And what you did really shows a, a real Christ-like manner, and their responses were also Christ-like. But you may have been able to plant a seed, and it is interesting, as you point out, this young lady, Kufi, on campus. That is a big thrust, as we've mentioned previous broadcasts, not only on the campus, because they are losing it to the uh, porters of Israel on the campuses, thanks to organizations like Students for Justice in Palestine, who's very active on campuses throughout the, the country. And they're also targeting Hispanic and African American and black American <coughs> churches, too. So they're trying to build their support any way they can. Chuck, would you like to add any uh, any further thoughts? Well, uh, we're seeing, of course, this tactic of sort of a three-pronged approach by the Zionist movement going on in America. One is uh, the political approach, of course, which pretty much runs on the national level through organizations like the American-Israeli Public Affairs Committee, APAC, which everybody has heard about. They operate at your congressman's level, presidential level, and now they're getting down into the state level. Then you have the grassroots effort. Uh, that, uh, of course, wells up from local, all kinds of local organizations that keep track of everybody who they look to as opposition. And they then put on these meetings, and they have people present for anything that they think is a threat, such as the Kufi meetings where they're actually there aggressively trying to build grassroots support. Uh, then there's, of course... Uh, the media effort where you have enormous control from the top. But now, of course, you're having a financial effort going on at the same time. All of these have been things we've worked on in some degree and helped expose. And, of course, the financial effort is a big fundraising effort, siphoning money out of the United States to run all of these very expensive programs that Israel operates. And uh, just in the area of, of politics, there have been efforts to count all of the lobby organizations that operate underneath APAC, and it's almost impossible to even count them. It's kind of like trying to count the American military bases abroad. Uh, you, can't, you really can't get there. Something changes by the time you get all the way around to the thousand. Israel has an enormously expensive public relations effort at all these levels going on, and their tactics, as, Greg, as Craig uh, has pointed out so uh, so clearly, is number one, they are on the attack. If anyone challenges them, they don't answer the complaint. They don't answer the argument. They never answer the objection. If you tell them, uh, what about the tanks that ran over Rachel Corey in uh, Gaza, that the answer that will come back will be something like, she was a revolutionary, she, uh, she asked for it, or, or better yet, uh, just an outright denial. It never happened. These are the kind of tactics you can expect from all these organizations. And they have very practiced efforts, very well organized, and we can learn from how they organize. The other attack they use is defamation. If you raise a question that they don't like, what they do is they make sure that they've already know a little about, about you, and if they don't, they invent something. And so uh, up came the story about Martin Luther's famous a little book that he wrote in the 14th century. Now most Lutheran churches are afraid to keep it in their church because they don't want this criticism, but 
uh, it was about Talmudic Judaism and what it, what it was doing to Christianity. So Luther called it, the rather aggressively named, the Jews and its lies. Nevertheless, its history from one of the most important religious figures in, in all the history of the Protestant Reformation movement, and, and uh, I've kind of almost forgotten we had it too. I'm, I need to go back and read it again. So this is what we are really up against, and we are trying to counteract that in the churches by going on and doing what Craig did, making a reasonable response, pointing out what Jesus would say, and, and hoping that there are people in these churches, not the pastor, of course, in most of them, some exceptions, but not the pastor, of course, but the congregation, we're hoping that on the way home they'll talk about it and say, maybe we ought to look at this. And we have had evidence of this in almost every vigil that we've ever conducted. Somebody has invariably come out and, and said, I think I'm on your side in some way. Sometimes they hardly stop the car. They kind of speak it through the window. But So on we go, and this little issue that happened in Boulder, a very liberal college town with a tremendous number of young people in it that has been active in all kinds of sort of liberal causes. In other words, there's nothing you can't talk about in Boulder. Uh, that's sort of the way the town is. It's uh, 30 miles up the road to the north from, from Denver and the University of Colorado being there. And there's a permanent group there that's been trying for some time, consisting of Palestinians and others, to get the city of Boulder to recognize Nablus, a town in the West Bank, a, a pretty good-sized town, as a sister city. And at a meeting where the uh, city council was meeting to discuss whether or not they were going to adopt this resolution, which they, which they had duly introduced in the Boulder County, they had a turnout of packed room. The room would only hold 120 people. There were people outside. They all wanted to talk. And Israel brought in at the Anti-Defamation League, the largest pro-Zionist organizations they could find, and I, I think maybe there were something like 70 witnesses on each side, less, less on the pro-side, but the Israeli side had an enormous number of witnesses. I did not, was not able to go. But our friend commented on this, that he saw weakness in the position of the Zionist movement, and he sensed that, and uh, he is a very prominent Jewish man in Denver named Robert or Bob Prince, and he's head of an organization here, which is a, a national or international organization, Jewish Voice for Peace. He has quite a few people who, uh, who participate with him, and I think something like 40 that uh, are active, and uh, we've cooperated with them, and they've cooperated with us. We've gone to, they've come to our vigils. We've gone to some of their vigils at John Hagee organizations as well. Bob Prince uh, writes a remarkable blog, and, and I thought the key points in it were not that, of course, we lost, because you have to expect you're going to lose when, when this kind of power is brought out against politicians, but the fact that he noted the uh, weakening that's going on. So, uh, so much for the introduction. Um, well, I just would like maybe just to read just a short piece here from Rob's long article, but the, he's talking about the hearing that they had, and he says, quote, while there was a sizable number of opponents in the room, there were many others, including myself, who attended and who enthusiastically supported the project from diverse sectors of Boulder's thriving progressive community, project being, of course, the sister city with Nablus. 
I was there to read a statement signed by more than 40 Denver, Boulder area Jews, some religious, some not, in support of Boulder Annapolis City Project, and to speak, as I did as a member of the Front Range chapter of Jewish Voice for Peace. Many of the proposal's opponents spoke of how the issue is so complex, controversial, and that the issue would divide rather than unify the Boulder community. Neither of these arguments are convincing, or for that matter, new. Israel's most ardent supporters, when faced with the facts of Israel's 46-year illegal military operation of Palestinian territories, try to hide behind the veil of complexity and to avoid the O word, i.e. occupation. But the question posed by Boulder City Council members and the disingenuous marks of Boulder Mayor Applebaum the media after the event suggests that the council had approached the meeting with already closed minds and the logic and facts were not going to be able to pry open. As for the issue of establishing a city-sister relationship with a, between a Colorado city and a Palestinian one being controversial, what nonsense. It might be controversial within the Jewish community, but it isn't particularly controversial at all among the broader population who have over the past decade become more sympathetic to the situation, the plight of the Palestinian people, and this fact was obvious to anyone attending last week's meeting. Oh, as we point out, though, the big exception would be the Christian Zionists who support Israel with no reservations, practically, with, uh, with only interruptions by people like Craig Hansen and Chuck Carlson and, and Travis Steele and and Leslie Ford here is with us tonight, that are, are trying to make a difference and challenging the Zionists. So it's good to see that there is challenges going on from our good friends in the Jewish community to our fellow Christians in these Christian denominations that have stepped up to the plate, as mentioned in Chuck's article there. And I think we are gaining a little ground, and you know the truth is getting out there. I'd like to point out that Ron Prince in this uh, story said that there was a sort of a slogan that every one of the speakers had on the tip of his tongue, and it was uh, a way of neutralizing the opposition. And he said, uh, which they had obviously all memorized, and that, that was, we are four sister city projects. We're just against this one. Uh, we found the same thing in other efforts at the legislature where Israel bonds were the issue. And uh, there, the argument was uh, similarly uh, ridiculous. It was, we're only giving the treasure another arrow in his quiver, or words to that effect. And they all had it memorized, another weapon, I think they said. And so we need to be careful of our words and uh, always think about the impact they're going to have. And, um, and, we, and, and I suppose we can learn from this. We can make sure that we have a little... Slogan, I guess we're doing that. What would Jesus do? It's a pretty good one, and it's a pretty good way. Rob Prince also said in his article, he talked about the, lose, the loss of influence that he is witnessing, and he's quite a, a middle-aged man. Uh, he said, if, if anything, the meeting revealed Israel's more zealous supporters themselves enjoy a shrinking popular base of support. In fact, my impression was, the vote aside, that they were rather politically isolated last night. More important, last night's suggestion 
that Israel's defenders are losing control of the narrative as a new voice came on the scene. And this has them running scared. And so Prince is talking about a, a weakening, and I think we are seeing that. And uh, we're also seeing, as we mentioned in our letter to this pastor in Sacramento, we pointed out to him the mainline churches, one of them being Lutheran-based, that are now openly, for the first time, willing to say Israel's occupation is abhorrent and unchristlike and unacceptable. And that's only started to happen since we started to do what we've done, not to say that we are responsible for it, but we've just been around to witnesses, I, witnesses, I think. And all of this change that's gone on in the major mainline churches like the ELCA Lutheran, it's all happened in the 10 or so years since we started doing Project Straight Gate. Chuck, I want to point out that I think you've lighted a pretty large candle. I think that's right. We've got them surrounded. We just need a few more people to uh, join in the ranks to get uh, a little more notice from people. And remember always that we're not paid to win. This is not professional football. We are called to do service, and it's really God's business and God's game. And we just need to keep on doing our part, and we don't need to speculate whether we're the ones having an impact or someone else is because we're just basically doing what we're called to do. Amen. Right. The truth never changed. So I guess we could close by saying fix your eyes on Jesus, not on Israel. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tell a friend about our podcast. And please visit our website, whtt.org. You will find a wealth of information and resources like the latest Pharisee Watch and unheralded news articles. Also, you can order our new video, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Even though this video is copyrighted, we don't mind if you copy it as long as you copy all of it. Then you can educate your friends and acquaintances about the dangers of Christian Zionism. Start small, think big, and press on toward the straight gate.